Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you, Father, that I can ask that you just guide Ian. You have used him powerfully for many years here, Father. And I know that you have been with him in the last few days, perhaps weeks, as he was preparing for this message. Father, I pray that you will bless the words, that you will use him as a vessel to bring more of who you are to us in this morning. pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, good morning, everyone. And, uh, yeah, I will say Happy New Year. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, And, yeah, I just wanted to echo what the guys have already said. You may be new to the church here, and you may not have met uh, Ian Lane. And Ian Lane was a great man of faith. Uh, It was a race well run, and it wasn't an easy race. Um, he had his many difficulties. Um, he had trouble with vision and over many years lost his wife, a, uh, a son that they uh, took on as well. And he, but this man was irrepressibly joyful, irrepressibly joyful. And he was, he was a real man of prayer and encouragement. And there is a space now to fill for many of us to step into, to be encouraging, to be joyful, to be prayerful. And uh, I would just encourage you to come to the prayer meetings because, well, we've got an empty chair and some bourbons to be eaten. So uh, I would encourage you to, to come to the prayer meetings. So we are in 2024 and uh, I don't know what you're hoping for in this year ahead. There might be some significant life events happening this year. You may be getting married You may be having a baby. You may be getting married and having a baby, and if that's the case, you need to get on with that. Um, You might be retiring. You might be having an anniversary, a significant anniversary. You might be changing careers. But the beginning of the year is often a good time, isn't it, for contemplation and consideration. You might make New Year's resolutions. Not, Not a fan of those personally, because I just set myself up to fail. So I don't do that. But what I would suggest instead of that is that we should consider how we be more like Jesus. As a believer of Christ, a Christ follower, a disciple, it is our aim to be more like Jesus. To bring glory to God. Now you all know the Westminster Catechism, don't you? Which is glorify God and enjoy him forever. That should be our aim, to live more holy, righteous lives. And I'm not talking about setting out a list of rules here that we should try and attain for more godliness, but in our hearts be pursuing Jesus. How are we going to respond to Jesus in 2024? A question I often like to consider is this, is when I read the Bible and often the pages of the New Testament, does my life line up with the disciples in the New Testament? When I consider this year ahead, the plans I've made, have I even considered God in it? Do I want God to break in and do the impossible? And let me ask you, do you want God to break in and do the impossible this year? That's good. That's at least 50%. But we often talk and pray about revival, don't we? Well, we'd love to see revival in this country. Who would love to see revival? Again, that's around 50%. That's not too bad. But this would involve a major change in your everyday life, let alone your everyday church 
existence in experience. It would involve every member of the church playing their part. You know, the job of the, the leadership of the church is not to, to do ministry to, to everyone. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Everyone, it would involve everyone discipling someone. Every one of you here, if you're a Christ follower, it would involve you discipling someone. People who don't have it all together. It would be very messy. People who aren't planning on what tutor they're going to get five-year-old little Johnny for his 11 plus. It will be people that can't even get little Johnny dressed in the morning and get him out of the house. It will be people that will dress differently, look different, speak differently. Let me ask you another question. Do you believe God wants to use you this year? For his glory and for his kingdom purposes, do you believe God wants to use you? You. Do you want to be on an adventure with God? That's what I found in this, this walk with Jesus, which has been, for me, just over 20 years now. I have been on an adventure with God over the last 20 years. And do you come to Jesus to offer your worship and sacrifice and give to him, or do you come seeing what you can receive? And this morning, I'd just like to look at three ways in which uh, people respond to Jesus when they meet with him. And then how we can respond in 2024 to Jesus. I'd like to look at two women and then a group of people. The first is a woman who meets with Jesus and pours out everything in worship. The second is a woman who meets Jesus and then goes on mission. And thirdly is a group of people who start gathering and there's, it's like this image of, and picture of heaven on earth. So we're looking at worship, mission, and the church. Let's start with the first lady we're going to look at is in Luke 7. And Jesus has been invited round to a Pharisee's house who we later know as Simon. And Jesus' name and fame is starting to rise. He's getting to be well known. He's preached the Sermon on the Mount. He's been healing people. And in Luke 7 verse 36, it starts with this Pharisee inviting Jesus for a meal at his house. We read on, it probably isn't one of the warmest receptions. He's really just trying to suss Jesus out. It says Jesus reclined at the table. And these tables were lower. It's not like he's come around my house and just laid on the bench. These are low tables where they would lean on it with their elbow and eat with the other hand. It's likely the house was built around a courtyard and people could pass by and see in and come in. So unexpected visitors was not an unusual occurrence. And Jesus, we note from the beginning, has accepted the invite from the Pharisee. He's making himself available to all people from all backgrounds. He loved to eat with people. He knew it was a great way to connect with people. To share a meal with someone is special. So let's read just from verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of anointment. 
And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. So we see in verse 37, the kind of main figure in this story, other than Jesus, enters in and behold, it says, a woman of the city who is a sinner. She enters the house with this alabaster jar, which is like a soft stone that carries perfume or ointment. It goes into detail on her actions in verse 38, standing behind him. She wets his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair, kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. So we know Jesus is reclined at the table. It's likely she's behind him then, she's not under the table. And she goes to great lengths here to pour out her love and affection for Jesus. She realizes she's in the presence of God in Jesus. It's likely she might have had a previous encounter with Jesus. For she would have definitely heard about him and wanted to get close to him. And these tears are significant. The, t- the word used here to describe it is breko, which is the same word to describe rain showers. So this isn't just a bit of whimpering. She's in awe. She's amazed at who she can draw close to. This kiss is intense as well. It's a verb. It's cataphilio, which is used the same word as kiss for the father and the prodigal son. It's the same word used for Paul's farewell as he kisses the elders in his farewell in Ephesus. So this kissing and anointing of the feet is deep reverence. And this woman, she's come in and she's changed the mood a bit at the dinner party. You know what it's like. You could be around someone's house who were having dinner with some people and someone makes a bad joke. Or we once went around someone's house uh, just my wife and I and another couple, and they put on aprons to start eating. Things just got weird. The mood has changed, and Simon doesn't like it. He starts to reveal where his heart is really at. We start to see the two opposing sides. The woman who is completely mournful of her sin before a holy God, and Simon who is thinking, who is this woman? He reveals where he's really at. He's thinking, Jesus, well, maybe good teacher, prophet maybe, but not God. He's trying to assess who Jesus is, and Jesus knows this. And he knows if you're here today assessing him, it's good to ask genuine heartfelt questions. But he is not one to be assessed. And you only get so far trying to assess him. It's good to work stuff out before you give your life to him, but sooner or later, you need to bow the knee to the Lord of glory. Simon says, verse 39, if this man were a prophet, he'd know who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him. She's a sinner. It's most likely she was a prostitute. That is the, there are some other possibilities, but that is most probable. Simon wouldn't want to be touched by this woman. He would have been ceremonially unclean. And Jesus knows Simon's thoughts. And then he starts to tell this short parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. 
One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he cancelled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? A a denarii is about a day's wage. Um, One debt being 10 times more than the other took about two months to 20 months wages. That's what we're looking at here. Jesus asks Simon, well, which one's going to love him more? And he's not hugely astute here when he says, well, the one with the larger debt. Simon's being cautious. He knows Jesus can give surprising answers. And Jesus turns in verse 44 to the woman while addressing Simon and contrasting them. The contrast between Simon and the woman. Simon thought Jesus might be a prophet. He might be a good ethical person. Jesus says to Simon, well, why haven't you kissed my feet? This is transforming passion we're seeing from this woman. Jesus shows who he is. He knows exactly what Simon's thinking. He shows he's a prophet and more. Simon thinks Jesus is a prophet. She sees he's come to pay the price for the way that she's been living. Simon looks at Jesus from a distance and the woman is pouring out her life for him. Simon isn't pouring out because he doesn't think he's that bad. He's a slave to his own self-righteousness. He's looking down his nose at her. But she's free. She doesn't care what anyone thinks. Simon is really like how people can be today, who think they're not that bad. Well, Jesus, he was a good man. But when it comes to needing a saviour, admitting that they have a debt before a holy God... They'll never have a passionate faith like this woman. It's the letting down of the hair is significant in public. She knows Jesus is the most important, that his love is the most desirable. She knows that only Jesus can save and show grace and mercy and give everlasting life. And this woman is showing us how we should respond to Jesus. This woman is pouring out all that she has, and offering herself up to worship him and give him everything. And she's not worried about the consequences. She is offering up a sacrifice of praise, like it says in Hebrews 13. Are we thinking about what we are bringing to God? In your life, Do you offer to God what you can fit in around your already busy schedule? Do other things take priority over God? It's often said where our money and time is spent, that is where our priorities are. Do you consider how to live out the life of a disciple of Jesus? Worship that comes at a cost. There are a few different ways that this is applied. Firstly, your sung worship. Do you worship in the week on your own? Do you have that devotional time where Jesus instructs us to go into a room and close the door and spend time with your heavenly Father? It goes beyond the just praying on the go, which is also good, but it's good to be alone with your Saviour. And then on Sunday, do you come with the attitude, well, if they play the songs I like, or if Jody's leading, it'll be okay? Or do you come saying, Lord, I am all yours. I am all yours, and I will sing to you today a sacrifice of praise, even when 
I don't feel like it. Even when my life is in a mess, we have to sometimes fight through our feelings sometimes and offer him a sacrifice of praise. Or how do we serve others or give to others, even how we give financially? God is after our hearts and often our time and money is a good gauge of that. I would encourage you to be praying and considering what you bring to God and how you respond to Jesus in 2024. I remember when I was going to ask my wife to marry me. We went to Paris for the day. I had the ring in my pocket and I didn't want to lose it. I was worried about this ring all day that I was going to present to my bride. We go to Paris it was in August. It was very, very hot. I had jeans on, and the ring was in my pocket. I had shorts to change into in my rucksack, but I was just worried if I changed, she might see it, or I might lose it, and I was just obsessed by this ring in my pocket. My plan, right, it was to, to ask her to marry me at the top of the Eiffel Tower. I know it's romantic, isn't it? Guys, I set a high bar. Come and join me up here. <laughs> But it was so hot, and I'm sweltering in these jeans. And it's getting hotter and hotter. And she's saying, why don't you just change? And I'm saying, I'm fine. I don't want to. Anyway, we get to the Eiffel Tower. There's this massive long queue to get up there. And we end up getting about halfway up, and we're arguing about why we won't change. And I'm getting grumpier and grumpier in my overheated state. And there was such a long, so you get, I think you go halfway up and then you have to catch another lift to get to the top. And, um, but there was such a long queue to get to the very top, I end up asking her to marry me halfway up with a slightly less, in a slightly less romantic way and attitude than I had hoped. But praise be to God, she blinded her and she said yes. So praise God. And then I got changed and we went down back onto the ground and I changed and we had a much better day after that. But what was happening there was my attitude and behavior was being affected by what I was bringing, about what I was offering to my bride. And we need to think about what we're bringing and how we are offering up our lives as worship. All worship involves sacrifice. We we saw that when we looked at Cain and Abel earlier in the um, Greater Story series. One brings an offering, the other brings his best. And when you grasp the width and depth and length of the gospel, you worship differently. Gospel people worship differently. And Christians today like to play it safe. We want to put ourselves in situations where we're safe, you know, even if there is no God. But if we truly desire to please God, we cannot live that way. We have to do things that cost us during our life on earth. And it will be so much more worth it in eternity. And this woman, she just wanted to grab something of value to him and, she, and to give to him and she grabbed her moment. And she poured out, this is so significant, this story, because it goes on and is told throughout eternity, throughout the ages. 
But do you know what's amazing about this story? Is that when she left the house that day, she was smelling like Jesus. She smelt the same of Jesus. She gave it all to him, but she left smelling like Jesus. And she smelt amazing. And there is something about this life that we live and this walk that we have with him is that when we do the most difficult thing, the most expensive thing, when we yield to him, where we take that which is priceless and we simply say, it's all for you, Jesus says, yes, and I am all for you. And something happens in that transaction And while it it was never intended to be about me or us, he seems to draw ever closer in those moments. It's in those moments where we meet him the most, when we become more like him. This life is the upside-down kingdom. When Jesus says in Luke 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily, And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Or like Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself from for me. So let's respond with appropriate worship to our Lord Jesus. The second way to respond to Jesus is the second woman that we're going to look at more briefly, the Samaritan woman, or the woman at the well. Jesus again meets with a woman, and he shocks everyone's social expectations by speaking to this Samaritan woman. The time of day tells us something about her social status in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. They would draw water in the cool of the day to do the day's chores. And this woman is coming in the heat of the day. And we learn later that it's because she's this social outcast. And we learn here that Jesus reaches through barriers to get to people. He reaches through here Social barriers, racial barriers, gender barriers, and moral barriers. He tells her there's a gift on offer. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. This woman's shocked that Jesus is speaking to her. And Jesus is saying, though, you are far from me. You may be different from me, but I'm offering you a gift, something you cannot earn. And some people further up the social, moral, racial ladder might find it harder to accept because this is something they want to earn for themselves. Pride gets in the way, and only pride can stop you from receiving a gift because you say, I don't need that. This gift belongs to everyone. Jesus doesn't privilege people further up the ladder. The gospel goes to everyone everyone and only Jesus can pay the price for all of our sin so that we can have our debt cancelled and like in the previous story Simon can only focus on the sinner's past Jesus prefers to see the potential that love and forgiveness 
possess for changing a person's heart. And we as Christians need to take heed to this. Be aware of the lost and broken people that will come in because we are not trying to just reach the middle classes here. That is not what we're about. People that aren't like us, people who don't know how to behave. And I, I've told stories before about when we lived in Bury St. Edmunds and we reached these group of young guys who were very different from the rest of the church, who smelt differently, who behaved differently, who swore a lot. We had to just teach them life lessons, like get up and wash in the morning, that sort of thing. Get a job. You're an adult. You need to work. We had to be patient with them. We, had, we struggled trying to integrate them into house groups at the time. But God broke in. And unless the power of the Holy Spirit is in people and are allowing, them to, allowing him to change them, you cannot expect people to behave in a certain way. Some people have been lost for a very long time. We find it hard to be around people who are different from us, who don't live according to biblical principles, especially if we've been Christians a long time. But we need to be able to relate to the broken, the destitute, the hurting, the poor, the sick. Jesus does not run from darkness. In order for the light to shine in the darkness, it needs to engage the darkness. In order for the light to shine in the darkness, it needs to engage the darkness. So do we see sinners for who they are or for what God can make of them? We should be very careful on making judgments on people who are outside the kingdom. The story goes on. Jesus tells her he knows about her life, her past. She isn't even married to the man that she's now with. Offers her this gift of living water. And we see the response from this woman. She starts to realize, she starts to realize who she's speaking to. And then she runs to tell everyone in verse 28. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And this, friends, is our right response to meeting with Jesus, that we live with that expectation God will save and change people and trust in the power of the gospel to save. The gospel is the power of God to save. That God will give you opportunities to share him with others. Just like we've heard about this guy in Kenya. Even in your one-to-one -one conversations, there is power when you speak about Jesus. Be clear who you're speaking about. Sometimes it can get lost, especially today. We live in a post-Christian country. Which God are you talking about? People won't necessarily assume you are talking about Jesus or Christianity. But people need to know the truth. Because Jesus, like saying to this woman, you need me. The hour is coming. The hour is now here. You need living water. You need something so essential, like when you're desperate for a drink, there's nothing quite like water. Your soul needs this like a parched mouth needs water. It's the only thing that will satisfy your soul, this living water. And when Jesus asks to go call your husband, he's not being mean or changing the subject. He's saying, you've been looking for this living water. You've been digging wells in other places. 
She's been looking for it in men. She's been trying to satisfy her longing, her soul's thirsting, the comfort of men. And if you try to look for satisfaction in anything else, whatever it is, money, family, career, relationships, sex, whatever it is, you or others that you are speaking to are trying to find comfort or satisfaction in, Jesus says, you will thirst again. We may speak to people who look like they've got it all together. Hey, they live in Seven Oaks. They've got the good life, right? They seem happy. I'm not sure if they need Jesus. But everyone's life is focused on something that will ultimately make them thirst again. Everything else you have to work for. But only this, only the gospel, God with us, God becoming man, dwelling amongst, amongst us, taking our sin and shame on the cross, dying for us so that all who believe in his name will be saved. And that he not only died and, but rose again, he conquered sin and death so that we can be with him for eternity so that we no longer need to fear death. That we can rejoice when a great saint goes to glory because we know where he is and only the gospel is a free gift of grace. It's offensive. People get offended by it because they think they're either not that bad or who is Jesus anyway to forgive me? Who is Jesus to forgive sin? Well, he is the Messiah. He is the promised one that would come. The Christ, the Saviour, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what he came for. There is no one else that does this. No one else has the authority to do this. No one else has the power to do this. No one else lived a perfect life and then laid down their life for yours. No one. This is Jesus. The one, the only, the only one who will give you eternal life and satisfy the deepest desires of your soul. He is the only hope for your friends and family. And we need to let this become a reality in us. Let it stir up in us. People are destined to spend eternity apart from Christ. It's no good being friends with people for 50 years or so on this earth, making sure they don't feel uncomfortable. Well, we don't want to upset them. And then for the next 50 million years, they are in hell, which is a real place. It is not an air-conditioned nightclub. The um, theologian D.L. Moody had a list of 100 friends that he prayed for throughout his life. 97 of them came to Christ during his lifetime. And then the last three gave their life to Christ at his funeral. This is the attitude. This is how we should respond. Jesus reached across the divide, across the discomfort, across the racial, moral, gender divide to give life and truth. And when he did, there was great fruit, not just in this woman, but in the whole town. It said, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony of he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. We just don't know where it might lead if we step out. Many believed because of that woman. 
the gospel comes in and changes us. She ran into town to tell everyone. And we have an opportunity over this year to do that individually and corporately. We can invite people to Alpha, which starts on the 24th. We'll continue to pray and seek God about Dunton Green. How we're going to gather on Tuesday night at this prayer meeting to seek God and pray for and about Dunton Green and the people of it. As we consider planting a small congregation to meet in the afternoon in Dunton Green to reach that particular part of Seven Oaks. Hey, you want to be on mission? You want an adventure? Come and pray on Tuesday night about this. There'll be a team meeting. We'll be meeting with a team monthly to pray together. And if you want to come and be a part of that, come and speak to me or one of the elders. And then lastly, and even more briefly, we'll see in Acts, the church, a group of people who have met the risen Christ, who've been filled with the Holy Spirit and start to live out life as the church. We see in Acts 2, people devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Paul instructs in his letters to love one another so much that it would be a sign to the unbeliever. That is how close we are supposed to be as a church. That's why this is important. This is why prayer meetings are important, are crucial. That's why smaller groups are important. We have several other things we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks that we've got planned for the year, such as the relaunch of connect groups and the importance of one anothering, which is in the New Testament over a hundred times. And this is who we want to be as a church. We want to be a people devoted to God's word. We want to be a people empowered by God's spirit. We want to be a church focused on his mission. And we want to be a church devoted to God's people, to one another. Devoted to God's word. Continuing in our Greater Story series. Providing notes for small groups. Encouraging one another to meet together, to go through the word together, be empowered by his spirit, to keep pursuing spiritual gifts and being filled with the Holy Spirit, focusing on God's mission, Alpha and other outreach events throughout the year that are planned, looking at doing street evangelism, looking to do this Dunton Green plant, being a church devoted to God's people, encouraging everyone to be part of a small group, being known by others in the church. Don't just attend. Come and open up your lives to others. To serve on teams. To be part of events. Attend lunches. Come to an away day that we've got planned in April. Instead of a weekend away, we're going to have just one day on a Saturday at Oak Hall in April. Let us spend 2024 responding to Jesus in the right way and look more like New Testament disciples. And friends, we can only operate the, in these things, in mission, in worship, and church, if we fully understand God's grace towards us and serve others out of a grace motivation. That means our service to others is motivated by what God has done for us, not what we have to do for him. Men and women of grace that fully grasp this amazing grace of our great salvation that we can revel in the glorious goodness of our God. 
There are wonderful things available, the Bible says, for Christians. We can receive total forgiveness of our sins. We can be justified freely by our faith in Jesus. We have peace with God, free from condemnation, born again of the Holy Spirit. We are children of God. We receive a spirit of sonship. We are co-heirs with Christ. We have free and open access to our Heavenly Father. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are a new creation. We have eternal life and we have become the covenant people of God. This is all available to the believer in Christ. These are all ours through Jesus Christ. It is all grace. It is all a free gift of God, motivated by his love. Now let this motivate us to go out and serve others, to give him our best. Let us pray for a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would see his kingdom come and his will be done in 2024. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand? We're going to pray, and then we're just going to respond in worship, and then we're going to break bread. Thank you, Lord. How will you respond to Jesus in 2024? Thank you, Lord God. Lord, we offer ourselves up to you. And we say, come and have your way. We are your vessels. There might be some things that you just need to lay at his feet. Let's just have a few moments where we're just speaking to God. It's just you and him. I'm not going to give you the words to say. Just pour out your heart to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and stir our hearts afresh for you. We want to be worshippers of you, Jesus. Lord, help us, Lord, fix our eyes upon you this year. Come and use us, Lord, we pray. We want to be a people who worship you without restriction. We want to be a people, Lord God, who are not afraid to go and tell others. Come and see this man who knows everything about me. This is the Christ. Lord, and help us, Lord Jesus, as a church, love one another, serve one another, and be a, a witness to the world that does not yet know you. Lord Jesus, I pray for divine appointments and opportunities throughout our year, just in our daily walk, Lord, that you give us opportunities to step out for you, to speak about you, to pray for the sick. And I pray, Lord, now for everyone here to have a fresh confidence in the power of 
of the gospel. Thank you, Jesus. Come now, let's, let us respond in worship.